I'm going to criticize Paul Tripp right here, but I want to say I really do recommend Paul Tripp's books. I'm, I'm not kidding. I, his book on parenting, his book on marriage, what did you expect? His, his books are generally very, very good. I'm, I'm not, I will not look down on you if you read Paul Tripp. I love Paul Tripp. But listen to what he says here, and I'm going to show you some clips from his pastor. The second resource is by my pastor, Eric Mason. It's called Woke Church. Now, I'm aware that woke language has become very controversial, and some of you will react against that just because of the title. It's an extremely helpful book, actually, and you may not agree with everything in the book. I would plead with you, read the whole book. So that, that's a flat endorsement from 2020 of Eric Mason's ministry and his book. And I just want to jump in to remind you, because this is an Eric Mason message that we have now. This is, this is a Paul Tripp's pastor, and I want you to listen to a couple of uh, segment, uh, segments from this message this is dealing with uh, the issue of, again, redefining the word racism. Listen to this. So racism is, 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 is different than prejudice, if you will. Prejudice, prejudice, if you will, is, is a bit different because it's biased or preconceived opinion about someone. So prejudice is the ability to have a disposition towards someone, but racism is the ability to enact your power based on your, 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 uh, uh, your, um, your, your prejudice against someone. Anybody can be prejudiced, only a few people can be racist. And so racism is, is the application of your power to enforce your prejudice on people that you want to enforce it on. That means whites have to stop calling black people racist. Okay. He's buying into the, to the new redefined version of the word racism. That is not true. Historically, racism has always meant ethnic prejudice. It's always meant showing favoritism or putting someone down because of skin color and not because of any other reason. It's the very thing MLK was pushing against when he said famously, judging our children by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And, and here he's saying uh, only majority culture can be racist. And now let me, let me finish this clip. It's almost, uh, this part's almost over. You call a black person prejudice, but you can never call a black person racist because the difference between me and you is I can, I can call you whatever crazy racial slur I want. I can not treat you a particular way, but racism's a bit different. It's, the, it's me using my structural capacity in connection to power to, to enforce my prejudice to cut things off from you. Thoughts about the redefining of terms like the word racism? Well, again, we have to say, where do these terms come from? Um, I think, if I'm remembering the person right, it was Kimberly Crenshaw who uh, came up with this term, prejudice plus power is what racism is. And that is a complete and dangerous redefinition of the word because it basically gives a blank check to accuse anyone that you want. If you don't have what you think you should have, well, it's because they were racist towards you. Um, but also, too, it, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't line up with the use of the word historically. Um, and to, to say that someone is incapable of a sin like racism simply because of the color of their skin is, is one of the most ethnic superior statements you can make. They constantly accuse, um, you know, white people today, white supremacy, whatever, and it's not like old-time white supremacy, KKK, burning crosses. It's not that. It's simply you have more money, therefore you're a white supremacist, and that's the core evil. You can, um, you can have all of that, um, and you can accuse all kinds of things, but you can't be racist. 
So you can basically prejudge and misjudge and slander someone, but you can't be racist. I mean, if we go with the historical definition and we understand it in light of the Bible's terminology on partiality, anybody can be racist. Anybody can. And we, we shouldn't tolerate racism in the true sense. Regardless of your skin color, we should have no place for it. But they're basically giving a blank check for some people to be racist and get revenge. And I'm going to call it revenge racism. Well, we feel like you've done something to us. And so we're going to get you for it. But you can't tell us we're wrong. It's, it's basically revenge is what, what I hear. So p- picking back up here, um, and he's going to take a shot here at Vody Bauckham in particular. He doesn't name him, but he clearly is referring to Vody Bauckham. You'll see why uh, right here. That's what it's about today. Let me just say this. Let me give you some examples of racial mindsets. I'm going to take my time if y'all don't mind. Number one, it uses scapegoat terminology to deny racism. Stuff like critical race theory. Oh, that's critical race theory. You don't even know what it is. You just heard that somewhere. And because you're a racist and you don't want to deal with your racism, you want to throw, you want to throw a grenade at the gospel. So just pausing, I mean, clearly he would be referring to something like we're doing right now. He would say that, that uh, we're using terms like critical race theory to try to excuse our own personal racism, and we're, in, in the meantime, we're throwing a grenade at the gospel. Let's keep listening. Marxism. Cultural Marxism, ethnic Gnosticism, they're making up words. Okay, ethnic Gnosticism is a term that was made up by Vody Bauckham, who's a black uh, preacher. He's now living in Africa. One of my, I mean, I, I love Vody Bauckham, but Vody Bauckham made up the term, ethnic Gnosticism. So he's definitely talking right now about Vody uh, in particular. Uh, let's keep listening. To, to come against the fact that racial injustice exists. Another, another racial, racist mindset is when you say just preach the gospel. Why when I talk about race, you say just to preach the gospel? If somebody marriage in trouble, I don't say Jesus Christ died for your sins. That doesn't, that makes, if somebody's on drugs, unless they're a non-Christian, I don't say Jesus died for your sins. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's so racist. It's racist. Because you would have, when, when I bring up a sin issue, you, you bring up a whole nother way of dealing with it that you wouldn't even deal with it with any other sin. Okay, now just, just, it's hard, I'm not going to defend what he just said, but I'm trying to let you understand what he's trying to say, I think. I don't agree with it, but what I think he would would say is, if we said that uh, overturning Roe v. Wade is a good thing, and we celebrate that, we don't just say, just preach the gospel, we say, and also overturn unjust laws, right? And I I agree with that. We we preach the gospel, and we overturn laws that lead to the death of the unborn. So I think he's saying, well, why aren't you guys saying, uh, let's overturn unjust laws racially? And my question is, what unjust current law are we talking about that is inherently racist today? Jim Crow was an actually racist law, and it was overturned. Praise God. You say preach the gospel and overturn Jim Crow. I'm okay with saying both of those things at the same time. No contradiction. But what current law on the books is actually racist today? And and they have to look with a microscope to try to find anything because there is no just like racist law. We can talk about more in a second, but let me me, me, uh, get to this other part here before we go any further. This this part, 58-55. Now, I I will give him credit. This next part I'm about to show you, he did publicly apologize, but he left the sermon on his website. But he did apologize for this next part, but I'm going to show it to you because I want to show you how bad this kind of preaching can actually get. So l- listen to what, and he's talking about people like Vody Bauckham, because he just mentioned that. So listen, he's talking about African-Americans who won't embrace wokeness, and he has some pretty harsh things to say. He but did apologize. As the color being the foundation. Another, another way is listen. noses exist and ignores it. Quiet about it. 
to keep the flow of money and power going. See, he's talking about African Americans who won't uh, become woke and call out white supremacy to keep the money coming from white culture is his, is his, is his uh, argument. See, some of y'all, that's really what it's about. It's about, it's, it's about that bag. See, not dealing with racism for some of y'all is really about keeping your bag going. Because you know some of that old money will run out the door if you start talking about their issues. Don't nobody want to give you a million dollars and get their butt kicked at the same time? Oh, yeah. Because I, I, I'm willing to lose mine. Because if you lose your life for his sake, you'll gain it. But if you try to gain your life for your own sake, you'll lose it! Speaking out against racism, <coughs> racial injustice to keep the flow of money coming. Some of y'all speak against racial injustice. So, so you can let you know, Master, eyes, eyes, ain't, eyes ain't like the other Negroes. Master, eyes, eyes over here, we's, we's, Master feeds us, Master clothes us. Look, look at me think I'm acting funny. Uh, this is the truth because some of y'all Negroes, let me tell y'all something. Some of y'all are some suckers in the spirit because you won't be honest with the racism that you're dealing with and you, wanna, you, wanna, you want the, the spoils of privilege and you'll sell out the gospel and you'll sell out your own people. You'll, help me today, God. He's talking about people like Daryl and Virgil. He's talking about people like Vody. He's talking about uh, people in the Reformed evangelical community who like coined the term ethnic Gnosticism that he just mentioned, who simply will not embrace the woke worldview. And he's basically saying, you're selling out our people. Now, I, I give him credit. He apologized for that illustration about the master and the slave, but he did not apologize for the sermon. He actually says he wished that people would listen to the whole sermon mm -hmm. and hear what he has to say. Um, yeah, Greg, thoughts on that? Well, one of the things that, that concerns me is the attempt to dismiss any real engagement um, on this issue. If someone is making a big deal about something, but they're not willing to engage it with you and hear a contrary opinion, that is highly suspect. Um, and here's the thing. I've read the seminal work on critical race theory. I'm going to bring the book next week and show it to you. And I marked it up front to back. I've read his book, Woke Church, and I marked it up. I've read numerous articles that folks like him have said, you got to read this. So I read it. You got to read these books. So I read the books. So to tell me that I haven't read this and I'm just using a word because I heard, and I'm not alone in that. Like there's a lot of people who have read all the stuff they say we don't read, but should read. And then once we read it and we still disagree with it, they don't want to talk because they think we should just automatically agree with them and turn our brains off when we read it. And that's not going to happen. Nobody should turn your brain off, no matter who you're reading. We engage critically. We try to be fair. We try to be, you know, as, as even as we can be. We don't want to, you know, imbalance our, our interpretation of something. But we read it, and we, we let, the, let the author speak for himself. And so that charge is simply an attempt to not have to engage people in conversation. It's easier to rant and rail against people than it is to sit down and have a hard discussion. And it would be a hard discussion. Mm -hmm. But it's like, we like, and this has been one of the most frustrating things about this whole critical race theory influence in the church is folks like Mason and others who buy into it, they stop wanting to actually talk about it. They tell us we need to shut up and listen. Well, if I'm a Christian, I can't do that because I'm bound to the truth. And if I hear something that doesn't line up with the truth, just because I need to listen does not mean I'm going to just accept it as true when it's contrary to fact. 
We have to keep our brains on. We never turn them off. We do need to listen and let somebody share what they're thinking. But at the end of that, we can acknowledge what they said. We need to be able to, un- we need to, we need to, be able to say it in a way they say, yeah, that's what I believe. And you can say, okay, here's what I can say I agree with. And here's in light of scripture what I say you, you need to think about because it doesn't seem like it's lining up with the Bible. If they're not going to do that, that's already revealed that they're not really interested in the truth that they've already been held captive by a false narrative and they are more allied to that narrative in this issue than they are to Christ. No, that's, that's, that is true. That's sadly true. Uh, can, can y'all turn in your Bible to Ezekiel 18? Seems like a strange place perhaps to go, but I'll, let's turn to Ezekiel 18. Can, can I say real quick too, yeah. again, just to remind folks, the reason we're, we're bringing Mason up is because he, he has been given a platform to talk about this. Oh yeah. Like people listen to him. I mean, obviously, Lick Duncan, um, all Matt that. Chandler's Matt very Chandler very close friends with Eric Mason. Like, he, he has been elevated to talk about these things in such a way that, that those who support him say, you need to listen to him. And so he's being put forward as someone who is authoritative on this, someone who, who is influential, and we need to listen to him. And so we're going to go at and after the positions that are most public and that are held forth to be the most influential. That's why we're doing this is because that's him. He's one of these guys. Right. And I just say it one more time. 10, 12 years ago, his book, Manhood Restored, was widely praised in the Reformed community. And uh, as far as I can tell, a solid book on manhood. You know, there's, back 12 years ago, uh, this would have been a guy I would have felt comfortable quoting positively. I liked Eric Mason. I would have recommended him 12 years ago. Today, a lot has changed, honestly. So, so listen, this one is also troubling. Uh, th- this, video, th- this clip right here, I think, gets at one of the core issues that I have a problem with. Listen carefully for about a minute. Things. As verse 9 said, Jesus said... So to, he, sorry, he's talking about Nicodemus and when Nicod, uh, excuse me, uh, Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus repented, remember he restored the money that he had stolen uh, four times as much as he stole? That's what he's referring to, and he makes a l- massive leap here. A salvation has come to this house. You know what I like about this is that Jesus, in verse 9 of Luke 19, connects Zacchaeus' willingness to pay reparations as a sign that he had been changed by the gospel. Now stop there. I agree, of course. We would all agree. Zacchaeus had personally stolen from many people as a tax collector. He had overcharged and kept money for himself. He becomes a believer. He meets Jesus. Come down from the tree. I'm going to go to your house today. He goes to the lunch with Jesus, and he's radically converted. And the evidence of his new faith is that he wants to restore what he stole. 100% agree. Him restoring what he stole is a sign of his conversion. Now, do you know where the leap's going here for the next step? Can you tell the next leap? Listen to this implication. How many of you watching under the sound of my voice saying that racism doesn't exist? I've never said that, first of all. I don't know anyone who has said that racism no longer exists. It, it, it is a poison, and it still does exist, and it needs to be repented of. But let's hear his conclusion. How many of you under the sound of my voice talking about, uh, I don't, I, it wasn't me, and I don't need to pay reparation, all of this type of stuff? If, if you're under the sound of my voice, and you're resisting restitution for black people because of what's happened into this country, you may want to check your, your, your justification uh, uh, monitor. You may not be a Christian if you don't believe in paying reparations based on our country's history between white and black people. That's what he just said. If you don't, I mean, just one more time. And you're resisting restitution for black people because of what's happened into this country. You may want to check your, your, your justification uh, uh, monitor. 